0: Each week, I'll interview a crowdfunding success story, an inspirational entrepreneur, or a business expert in order to help you take your startup to the next level with crowdfunding. Art of the Kickstart is honored to be sponsored by Backerkit and the Gadget Flow. Backerkit makes software that crowdfunding project creators use to survey backers, organize data and manage orders for fulfillment by automating your operations and helping you print and ship faster. The Gadget Flow is a product discovery platform that helps you discover, save, and buy awesome products. It is the ultimate buyer's guide for luxury gadgets and creative gifts. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome to another edition of Heart of the Kickstart. Today I am joined by Nishant Kapoor, the business director at Quillow. Nishant, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Roy. Great to be here. So you guys ran a campaign for the Quillo fan, which is a really cool, you know, air cooler, humidifier, really interesting technology. Um, Sold it, shipped it. Now you guys are selling on Amazon. Let's back up and, you know, kind of tell our audience, where did this all start? What was the inspiration for Quillo?
1: We actually, in our company, are a team of uh, product designers and engineers working for other uh, consumer product companies, building uh, products for other consumer product companies. And this was sort of our first own brand. And we had uh, certain um, technology insights, especially around uh, airflow and the type of motor. and we had uh, some consumer insight around you know the evaporative cooling technology. That review. So we actually wanted to put that into a product and that's uh, that's and, and have our own product and our own brand out there. So that's how this journey started, I would say, about a couple of years ago.
0: Interesting. So you guys had hundreds of backers, tens of thousands of pledges. But when you guys were creating Quillo, what, what was that process like? I mean, how did you go about deciding what features to include you know, in the designs and what consumers were looking for?
1: So I think consumer insider, consumer research has actually thanks to the internet, and especially thanks to Amazon, become fairly easy. You don't uh, have to invest in focus groups and consumer insight organizations. You can actually just read through Amazon reviews, and especially the middle reviews, the two-star, three-star, four-star reviews, to get a lot of meat, a lot of insight into your product category. And that's the insight that we used as part of a product development process, as well as for how we positioned our uh, benefits in the Kickstarter campaign.
0: Interesting. So you went and looked out at, it, you know, other humidifiers or air or wind, you know, blowers, and basically saw some of the positive and, you know, looks like focusing more on the negative feedback of what consumers were wanting, and then took that and built a product around it.
1: Exactly. And this product uh, specifically, which is evaporative cooling, is also known as swamp coolers, right? So one of the parts of the technology in this product. And swamp coolers have a few big pain points, especially around their noise levels and also around because there's water and then that creates a smell. So there's the odor problem. And our product actually solved those problems. And that's why actually we decided we haven't called it a swamp cooler. We've called it a fan with an evaporative cooler and humidifier so again you know these were the insights uh, we had so the technology is not something that's brand new but there's improvements in the technology and the application of it that's fairly new
0: were there any challenges that you guys encountered when designing
1: this product so there were a few challenges uh, we wanted to create actually we wanted to create a smaller product but we found that we couldn't get effective airflow effective cooling so this product is as small as we think it can get still while delivering Cooling, you know, airflow and cooling, humidification impact for a a small to mid sized room. And to be able to get that sort of airflow out of there, had to be a lot of iterations in the engineering and the fan blower technology to be able to get that kind of airflow we have from this size of product. So, one of the feedback we've received is that, you know, we actually do have pretty good airflow. It doesn't look like this kind of, this size of product will give that kind of airflow. So, I think the major design challenge was around how do you, put all that power in a fairly small unit,
0: without creating noise. Right. So before you guys ever launched your crowdfunding campaign and the research that you did on Amazon, were there any additional uh, research tips you would give in deciding and finding your target market or audience? So one thing that I would do differently
1: for our next campaign would be to actually reach out to maybe 20 or 30 beta testers and say, you know what, use our product, and give us feedback, and then do one round of sort of iteration on the product before we actually put the product in the market. So one of the benefits of putting it out on Kickstarter was we got a lot of early feedback, because we delivered within three, three, three and a half months, we got a lot of early feedback, which we've now put in the second version of the product that's going out on Amazon. But we could have avoided that if we'd actually put. 20 units in the hand of some beta testers and that would have given us some early traction on Kickstarter as well.
0: Absolutely. Now we always talk to founders who launch campaigns about how important, you know, the month or two leading up to their launches. What did you do that you can point out to our audience that you did prior to launching to put yourself in a good position to get the campaign fully funded?
1: So I think we reached out to a lot of uh, publications that were featuring uh, products in our category and making a pitch to them with our tentative launch date to say, you know, we'd we'd love to work with you. Would you be able to publish something within the first 24 hours of our launch? And I think that process, uh, reaching out to people, engaging uh, via email, with bloggers, influencers, no matter the size of the audience, right? I mean, as as long as they, they have some, I think the size doesn't matter, but the quality of the audience or the quality of the engagement. So as long as it seemed to us from their website and from their social media presence that they have an engaged audience, we just we just reached out. And that was pretty much the only thing, yeah, because we didn't have a mailing list, right? And I tried to build a mailing list with Facebook ads onto a landing page, and the cost of those leads was quite high. And I wasn't sure uh, and we didn't have much time leading up to the campaign, so I think for us, this process of reaching out to influencers was probably the one that that uh, was effective.
0: Certainly, yeah, and I know we we certainly helped, you know, jumped in under the campaign and helped, you know, boost and promote where we could. You know, outside of all of that, you know, it was very interesting because you're one of the few campaigns one that I have the product sitting in my office and I use it almost every day, and two that you guys were able to ship so fast and earn the consumers trust so early. Do you think that was one of your competitive advantages to the campaign being so successful?
1: Actually, yeah. And, and I think we, we consciously sort of wanted to launch the campaign in a way that we would be able to deliver a product that's primarily for summer use, you know, before the end of summer. And that's why we sort of tried to crunch the timelines because it's a seasonal product. You know, if we'd missed another month, then you'd go into winter and then the earliest time of our backers would be able to use the product would be the next summer. So that was sort of an art- artificial constraint that before it gets really cold, we have to get the product in our backers' hands. Otherwise, it's a year later. Then that's too long. And because we couldn't do too long, we had to do too short. And then so we had to work backwards with a factory and actually make up an earlier production-run commitment even before we started the Kickstarter campaign.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I know that was one of you know the coolest coolers, biggest downfalls was when he ran his original campaign and failed. He ran it in the winter thinking consumers would have the foresight that the product would be delivered during the summer months, but, you know, relaunch it during the pain point months of, you know, when people wanted to go out and use their cooler and blender and what have you, and then saw, you know, greater success. So, you know, certainly timing with a seasonal product, if you will, like this certainly uh, helped when it was top of mind and tip of tongue for some of the consumers.
1: So if you look at Noria, which is another uh, very successful Campaign in terms of at least the the campaign pledges, I don't think they've been able to ship yet. But they did did a seven digit campaign across Kickstarter and Indiegogo, and it was a cooling or air conditioning product that they launched in peak summer. So I think you should you could even reverse that. You could deliver in the winter as long as you run the campaign in the summer when people are feeling the pain.
0: Exactly. Yeah, and we definitely worked on that campaign as well, and saw you know again similar sentiments from the consumers. Where when they're having that pain point, you know, it's critical to have that product out there. Shipping and delivery, you know, that's something I think a lot of repeat Kickstarter backers or veteran backers, if you will, understand, you know, how long it can take to get a product to market. But, you know, once they know that they've ordered it during that time of year can be, you know, certainly satisfactory once it finally does come and they may be able to use it in that next hot season. Exactly. So do you have any shipping tips that you would give to our other crowdfunding campaigns or entrepreneurs looking to launch products and ship and deliver quickly?
1: Yes. One of the the, the tips that I mentioned was, you know, trying to get your product in the hands of 15 or 20 early beta testers. Of course, it depends on whether you have the working capital to be able to do that, but I think that's a phenomenal investment of your limited capital is to get 20 units out there in the hands of potential uh, backers and not only get feedback from them but also get a sense because what you want to do one of the things you want to do to deliver quickly because you know production lead times are what they are is to order a batch even before you start the campaign because your campaign is going to run for 30 to 45 days at best 60 days so if you want to deliver quickly you want to be able to actually not wait until the end, or maybe even you know, in the beginning of the campaign, based on the kind of traction you're getting, place that order with the factory. I think that's the only way you, you can actually get the, get the product out there. The problem is that when a lot of backers start working with the factories, once they receive uh, the campaign funds, one of the big challenges that comes up then is what works for prototype may not work for a mass production run. There's different challenges to a mass production run. So even trying to do 20 units or 50 units in a factory will give you a lot of, uh, will throw up a lot of issues up front that you could avoid later that would avoid those delays. So just trying to get into the production cycle earlier if possible. Certainly. That's the only thing, I mean, you
0: can do. So what's the biggest thing that you've learned through the whole process of launching your first Kickstarter campaign?
1: A couple of things. One A lot of people trip themselves up when they think about Kickstarter, saying our product is not that groundbreaking or it's not that innovative or it's not that differentiated. It doesn't have to be. You know, it has to be. You know, if you think about crowdfunding, you have to be passionate about your project, even if it's there's something there that's you know that's unique. It doesn't have to be earth-shattering, new rocket ship, etc. So even if it's not a very differentiated product, consider crowdfunding. Because it gives you a lot of attention and a lot of PR. So let's say you wanted to just, you know, just get into product development and e-commerce and launch a brand, and you never thought of crowdfunding, that crowdfunding gives you such a boost in terms of brand launch. It gives you publicity, it gives you PR. That that's I'm now thinking that you know, every time I launch a product or every time I launch new, you you have to go down the crowd the Kickstarter Indiegogo route, build an audience. Get that early feedback. Get that early traction. Get the PR. So I think it's it's incredibly important to uh, you know not discount that.
0: Absolutely. So what was the biggest surprise during the Kickstarter campaign for you?
1: Actually, so funnily enough, and I, I we went in thinking uh, you know having read all the Kickstarter uh, you know articles and books where they say you can't rely on the Kickstarter audience. And therefore, you have to do everything to drive backers and traffic to your page from outside the Kickstarter ecosystem. And, you know, of course, I'm, I'm sure you, uh, you know, bringing Inventus on had something to do with this. But we actually did end up getting a lot of backers from within the Kickstarter ecosystem, which was a pleasant surprise. Which was, we, we were sort of not planning for that. We were, we were thinking, of how, you know, we were getting uh, – and, 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 and because of those, we actually hit our minimum fairly quickly. So that was a pleasant surprise. But there are still backers and passionate backers within the Kickstarter ecosystem that will find your project, you know, especially if it's a well-presented project.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I think you guys had more than two-thirds of the backers actually be returning backers from the campaign, which is always good. And then, you know, it's always really interesting to bring in the new backers, right? Like the first-timers who, you know, get to pledge on something and then hopefully stay in the ecosystem and continue to support other entrepreneurs launching products that are out there. So what advice, Nishant, would you give to someone else looking to crowdfund their tech product?
1: I would start early. Start thinking of your audience uh, and your positioning and your branding early on. A lot of people, when they think about a tech product, are so much in love with the product that they're not thinking about their audience and they're not thinking about their brand. So, you know, and, and brand and audience go hand in hand because your product is something that you want, you know, you want to have some sort of mind share in a specific audience. So thinking early on about who your audience is, how you're going to serve them with your product, and what your brand is, and what your positioning statement is early on will help you. Uh, and then, then use that to start building an audience. I think that that would be something I would definitely do uh, spend more time on going forward.
0: So you had mentioned that uh, you guys may be doing another crowdfunding campaign. What What's the next product rollout for you guys?
1: It's something fairly interesting. This kind of product is actually not out there. Like Unlike our earlier version, which is a new take on an existing technology, this is actually a completely new application. So this is an outdoor air conditioner. And the challenge is how do you, because when you look at an air conditioner, they have to be indoor because you have a compressor in them that creates cold air on one side and lets hot air out the other side. So you need a vent for the hot air to go. So you need them to be in a window or have some sort of piping or have a, a unit that's outside that's throwing the heat outside and bringing the cold air inside. Now, when you take a, an air conditioning unit and you put it in the outdoor and you have a compressor that creates cooling and then there's, you know, there's hot air going out the other end, how how do you manage that in a situation and still do effective cooling? Now, there are a couple of uh, similar uh, Kickstarter campaigns well, one of them is Zero Breeze, which is this portable air conditioner, which is still sort of a horizontal unit where you have cold air on one side and hotter out the other side. But those are portable ones used specifically for, you know, you know, battery powered, which you use for camping, etc. So the, these ones that we're sort of building or, you know, working on the first first version of the prototype are for your sort of to sit by a barbecue for your patio or your outdoor use. Uh, that, but provide much better cooling than a fan or an evaporative cooler. And we're hoping, you know, we're, uh, we're hoping to have the first prototypes uh, by next month so we can start planning our next summer Kickstarter campaign. But these are not going to be delivered within three months. These are possibly going to be like a six to eight month delivery timeline because it's
0: completely new. Impressive. All right, Nishant, this gets us into our launch round where I'm going to rapid fire a handful of questions at you. You good to go? Ready. So what inspired you to be an entrepreneur? Funnily enough, I wanted to be an entrepreneur to be able to build
1: the kind of organization that I would love to work in. So my inspiration was not to build a product or sell a product or build a business. It was more to build the kind of organization that I think uh, should exist and that I'd want to work in. So that inspiration.
0: So if you could grab a beer with any entrepreneur throughout history, who would it be?
1: I would love to sit down with the founders of 37 Signals or Basecamp. There's another entrepreneur called Derek Sivers who uh, started a, uh, a business called CD Baby and sold it a few years later and donated all the proceeds to charity. And he's written a book called Anything You Want. So these, these would be the entrepreneurs I'd love to catch a
0: drink with. So if we uh, met the founder Jason at Basecamp, what, what would be your first question for him?
1: Oh, how do they find so much time and so much passion to educate the community about product development, software development, running an organization. I mean, that's that's what I find incredible about that company is that they are just so engaged in giving back their time to the community in terms of just educating them and so transparently about how they develop products and how they build organizations. So it's like, you know, how do they find the time and the passion to do that and run such a successful, profitable business at the same time?
0: What's your favorite book?
1: Okay, favorite business book? I think these days I'm reading an old classic the 22 immutable laws of branding and it's such an eye opener and I w- wish I'd read it earlier in my entrepreneurial
0: career Interesting haven't seen that one Uh last question Nishant what does the future of crowdfunding look like
1: I think it's going to get more and more democratized and when I mean more democratized I mean you know you have platforms like Kickstarter and Indiegogo but then I I would see I would see you know Things like the blockchain and tokens enabling entrepreneurs to go directly to their audiences and therefore not, not have to depend on the, uh, on the big platforms. So I, think, I, just, I just think it's going to get more fragmented and more democratized and easier.
0: Well, Nishant, this has been awesome. Please give our audience your pitch. Tell everybody what you're all about, where people should go and why they should check you out.
1: Thank you, Roy. You know, fantastic talking to you as always. I think our audience should go and check out quillohome.com where we're trying to build uh, products that, you know, improve the quality of the air in your home, as well as uh, create, you know, a website that educates people about our product development process and our thought process behind our organization culture and our customer service
0: uh, culture. Excellent. Audience, thanks again for tuning in. Make sure to visit artothekickstart.com for all the show notes the full transcript, links to everything we talked about today. And, of course, thank you to our crowdfunding podcast sponsors, The Gadget Flow and Backer Kit. And, of course, if you love this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. Nishant, thank you so much for joining us today on Art of the Kickstart. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Art of the Kickstart, the show about building a business, world, and life with crowdfunding. If you've enjoyed today's episode, awesome. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com and tell us all about it. There you'll find additional information about past episodes, our Kickstarter guide to crushing it. And of course, if you love this episode a lot, leave us a review at artofthekickstart.com iTunes. It helps more inventors, entrepreneurs, and startups find this show and helps us get better guests.